Well, that was refreshing. It's the shortest introduction I've ever had anywhere. <laughs> so, um, I guess some of you probably know me. Um, and uh, you told me last, told them last week. Okay, that's absolutely fine. I'll just get on with it. Okay. So, yeah, we're based in Bedford, but... Um, that's our base for serving in many different places across the world. And uh, that's actually the theme that I've been asked to speak about. Because um, I, when I go to preach somewhere, I always say to the people, what do you want me to, is there anything particular you want me to speak on? Some say, no, it's just entirely up to you then you've really got to seek God for what on earth do we bring. Others say, uh, yes, we'd like to speak on this. Sometimes they choose a particularly hard subject because they think that's good for a visiting speaker. I've had that a few times. <laughs> a scripture that they've never really understood and they asked me to speak on it. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Sometimes, like this time, I've been asked to speak on what I speak about all the time anyway. So, uh, which one sense makes it easy, another sense makes it hard because I've got reams and reams of material on this, so I needed to think, okay, what do I bring to you today? And uh, the reason for this is that when I asked David um, earlier this week, what, sh what do you want to preach on? He said, well, we had Rob Davey with us last week. Um, and actually, I was due to speak to him anyway during the week about something else. And he was speaking about the apostolic vision for the church. What is it that we're about in terms of the church? Very important subject often neglected in this age of individualism when it's all about me, really. Christianity is about me. It's my personal salvation. It's my personal walk with God. It's uh, what meets my needs. And I think, well, that church doesn't meet my needs anymore. I must find one that does. And all that's about me. And very often... Um, Modern consumer Christianity is like that. And so it's great to have a vision bigger than ourselves where we serve. You know, sometimes people say to me, they say, uh, I don't want to know God's plan for my life. I say, completely wrong, I say nicely, completely wrong question. Rather, what's your part in God's plan to transform the world through Jesus Christ. You understand? It's a very different way of looking at it. God has a plan, and that's what we're going to talk about. And so, um, Rob Davey spoke on that, and I'll, if I carry on, I'll speak on it as well, so I better be careful. Um, so I've been asked to speak, follow that up by speaking on what is apostolic mission. Okay? So... As people built on a good foundation, the Bible says was laid by those original apostles and prophets, what does it mean to be on mission together?
Some of it's come out in our worship, which is great. Now, apostolic mission, in some cases, in, in, sorry, in some respects, we don't need both words. Because apostolic means sent. Mission means sent. Okay? The, in grammar, that's called a tautology. Just, I thought you want to know that. Okay? And so, we are, this is sendingly sent. Okay, is what I've been asked to speak upon. Okay, what's our apostolic mission? But actually, we do need both words because sometimes um, in churches like ours, the word apostolic is simply used as a different way of organizing the church, that we believe in it relating to apostolic ministry and all that sort of stuff. And having the fivefold ministries of Ephesians 4.11 instead of bishops and ministers and so on and so we've got to say no no it's all about mission but sometimes mission can take place without a good foundation of truth being laid in the churches that are planted as a result of that mission and therefore we do believe in both those things okay so that's what i'm going to speak about and i'm going to read couple of scriptures at the beginning, one of which we'll look at in detail a little bit later on, and also I'll be referring to other scriptures through, throughout, and uh, the scriptures we'll just put up on the screen so that uh, you've got them in front of you, um, because I know that that helps people nowadays, often we... Well, Dave still carries a big book. I have mine on here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, it's very important we have the scriptures before us. And also, because there's many translations in English, it's helpful to have the one that I'm actually reading from. So that will go up on the screen. Where I travel around the world, most people don't have that. Lots and lots of translations. Um, so that's very, very different. But let's look at a couple of scriptures. Firstly... I'm going to read from the, Paul's letter to the church in Rome, what we call the Epistle to the Romans. And I'm going to read the first five verses of his letter. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news, good, the word gospel simply means good news. Okay? It's an old, it comes from an old English word meaning good news. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the grace and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles, that's nations, everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Okay, so that's a good summary of what I want to bring to you. Now I'm going to read from Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. 
that church was started when um, Paul went to Ephesus, and even though Colossae was quite a long way from Ephesus, he preached the gospel every day there in a place called the Hall of Tyrannus, which were in a schoolroom that he hired at lunchtimes. And people came from all over the province, and, one, and some of them went back to Colossae and preached the gospel there. And so Paul writes to them, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras. He was the guy that heard Paul preach in, in Ephesus. Our beloved co-worker, he is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Okay, if that translation wasn't familiar to everybody, I, I usually use for public reading now the New Living Translation um, because I find that everybody can understand it. Okay, so, what's apostolic mission? Well, firstly, it's reflected in the whole of the Bible. When Paul, one day, uh, he'd been kicked out of Ephesus because there'd been a riot and uh, even though he'd been preaching there for three years and he went, went away to some other places and then he took a boat and came past Ephesus, even though Ephesus was the biggest port along the coast, and he went to another smaller port, a place called Miletus, and he asked the leaders from the church in Ephesus to come down and talk to him. It may be that he didn't want another riot by going into Ephesus, it may be he'd been banned from the country, which some of you have experienced. It may be, uh, we don't know. But he went to this other place and called them over. And he said to them, when I was with you, and remember he was on apostolic mission, when I was with you, I ta taught you all of God's plan. Or... Sometimes the words translate, it's a difficult word to translate. Sometimes, or the whole counsel of God is another translation. Or the whole will of God. In other words, I taught you God's big plan revealed in the whole of Scripture to transform the world. Okay? And that's what we teach. He, he, when he wrote to them later in Ephesus... He described it as the foundation of the apostles and prophets, or the mystery that's now been revealed. It was this big story that God was about. What is it then? It's the main theme of the Bible. You see, one disadvantage of having it on my iPad is that I can't do this illustration, but fortunately David is still living in the olden days, and so I'm... <laughs> I'm able to uh, take it from him. But this story, the whole of this story, 
describes God's mission to transform the world. Mission isn't something that you speak about from one or two verses, like Matthew 28, go into all the world, or Acts 1.8, preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And often when you have, talk about mission, you're like, well, I have to find some scriptures that speak about it. Actually, this whole book is about God changing the world, promising it through his son, then his son coming, and then those who follow, follow his son then take it to the ends of the earth. That's the story. Paul says in the scripture we read, all over the world it's happening. Now that was a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, but then Paul didn't know the extent of the world in those days. He only knew the Roman Empire. But it was a wonderful prophetic statement of what God was going to do. And we're part of that. And that's what he meant by this apostolic mission. It's the main theme of the Bible. So, it's God's plan, let me say it again, to put the whole world right through Jesus the Messiah, which is the, name, the Hebrew name for Christ, and see the presence of God and the glory of God displayed throughout the world. That's God's plan at the beginning. He said to Adam and Eve, you've got a wonderful thing here in Eden, now take it to the whole world. And we know things went wrong, but God never gave up on that plan, and so Jesus was sent in order that the whole world would be transformed. Okay? And so put the whole world right through Jesus the Messiah to see the presence of God and the glory of God displayed everywhere. So, and that's celebrated throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Scriptures. So, it was promised in the Old Testament, promised to Abraham. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham, all the families of the, on earth will be blessed through you. That's a huge promise. The Hebrew word there is the word clan, which is, often we translate it nations. It's smaller than a nation. It's smaller than a tribe. We don't have, um, in, in, in Scotland they have clans, in England, we don't. I don't know about some of you from different parts of the world. You'll have clans. You're bigger than an extended family, but not quite as big as your tribe. In some parts of the world, you only marry within your clan. So it would have been familiar to people when they heard this in a way that perhaps it isn't to us. But it's saying every clan on earth is going to be blessed. That's an amazing promise. And we, as the heirs of the promises... That's what we're described as in the book of the Acts. We are those who inherit the promises. We say, yes, every clan is going to be blessed because the descendants of Abraham, the descendant of Abraham has come. Amen? Okay. Then that was 
so later, it actually did use the word nations for the same promise. Through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. That's wonderful, isn't it? Because Abraham obeyed, every nation is now blessed. Because we obey as those that follow Abraham, every nation will be blessed. Later, or rather, that promise came, let's just get the context, just as the nations had decided they didn't want to scatter everywhere. God's plan after the flood was that the nations should all scatter across the earth because he wanted the <coughs> excuse me he wanted the whole earth to be full of his glory. But they said, we don't want to scatter, we want a big empire where we are. Okay? And so they built in in Babel a big tower because they said we want to, if we build something really great, we won't have to be scattered across the earth. That was the beginning of the um, of empire domination. Okay? And every tyrant since that has sought to do the same thing. To say, we are going to dominate from where we are. We've, they may not use religious languages, language, but they, say, they, they basically say we're going to uh, have something that is instead of heaven. They built a tower that said it's going to go to heaven. We're in charge. You're seeing that? You're seeing that in Ukraine at the moment with the domination there trying to wipe them out. And right through history, right through the Bible, that's been the thing that opposes the gospel of God's grace. It happened in the British Empire. There were some good things that happened, but there were some very bad things that happened as well. Because this tyrannical idea of empire is what was kept coming against the people of God in the Old Testament. It was the context of Paul writing the letter to Rome because the empire was centered in Rome. And as we'll see later, if I get to it, that we'll see that when he wrote to the people in Rome, he was saying, uh, writing something that was really against what Caesar was doing. We'll see that. Because the gospel of grace is what comes instead of the domination of empire. You understand? So, that's what we're seeking to do. Later, when they wrote, wrote psalms, they celebrated this. They sang, they sang this psalm. It said, regarding Jerusalem, it will be said, everyone enjoys the rights of citizenship there. And the Most High will personally bless this city. When the Lord registers the nations, he will say they've all become citizens of Jerusalem. In other words, Jerusalem wasn't 
even in the way they sang about it, wasn't just a place in the Middle East that Jerusalem became the representation of all the nations being gathered in to the presence of God. Okay, so they celebrated that. And in the letter to the Hebrews, the writer talks about that. He says, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Amen. That's who we are now. The nation, Jerusalem, is to be all over the earth. Where the presence of God is enjoyed and where we belong to the people of God. And it was promised in the prophets. Isaiah said, he's been referred to already today, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will make you a light for the Gentiles, that's the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. When Jesus said to his disciples, go to the ends of the earth, he was saying, fulfill what's always been promised. And then God's ultimate purpose in another prophet, Habakkuk, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. That's what we're about. That's why we go everywhere, why we plant churches our family of churches, the bigger family we're part of, New Frontiers. I know we're part of Catalyst, but the bigger family of New Frontiers, we're now working in over 90 nations. And in those nations, we're reaching many ethnic groups. We're just a small part of what God's doing, because there's others doing more than we are, but that's what, it's, that's what, that's what we're caught up with. And as I say, it was fulfilled in Christ. He, when some Greeks, that's another nation, came to try and see Jesus uh, because they wouldn't have been allowed to go into the temple because there was a big notice up saying uh, anyone not of Jewish birth and goes any further, they will be responsible for their own death, which is hardly a welcome. And uh, <laughs> the, so the Greeks came up because they were seeking the presence of God and they somehow understood they couldn't go into the temple, but the temple's now on the street, so they could come to Jesus. And they said to, found some disciples with a Greek name, which helped, and they said, can we see Jesus? And Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, both on the cross and in his glorious resurrection and ascension on high, I will bring every nation to me. That's the passion. So it's worked out in Jesus, but it's also worked out in us. Because Paul says in Galatians, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. What was God's promise to Abraham? Every clan will be blessed. And because you are in Christ, there's a few people in Christ here, they follow him, they're in Christ, that promise belongs to you. 
you now carry the promise given to Abraham that through you, every nation's going to be blessed. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're carrying the promise to Abraham. <laughs> Is that good? So wherever you go, you're a blessing, brother, aren't you? Amen. Wherever you go. When you go to work, you're carrying the blessing of Abraham into that place. You're a living demonstration of the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay. That's you getting get caught up in apostolic mission. And so it's God's plan to fill the earth with his glory, as we've seen. Therefore, there must be worshippers and a representation of the temple of God everywhere. That was made promise, that was made possible through the promise of God to Christ. Every promise is yes in him. And the whole mission of God, that the glory of God is seen everywhere, which is why we must plant a church, or we as the Christian church together, must plant a church in every city, town, and village in the world. All right? Okay, that's the mission of God. It's the apostolic mission. And Jesus used to talk about this. Just before he died, he was praying. And as he was praying and the disciples were listening, he talked about all the things that were on his heart. What was he thinking about just before he died? As he contemplates his final suffering, Jesus prays for the church he's formed during his ministry and the leaders he's trained And then, we'll come back to that, when he first rose from the dead and the very first meeting of the church after the momentous events of the crucifixion and resurrection, he said the same thing as he said in his prayer. So, the prayer of Jesus before he died and the, what Jesus said at the very first church meeting must be the most important thing you can think about for the church, wouldn't you think? So what did he say? As he was praying, he said, As you, Father, sent me into the world, I am sending them. Then, when he rose from the dead, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and we love that bit. And then he said, As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Exactly what he prayed for before he rose from the, before he was crucified. After he'd risen from the dead, he said, Now it's the time. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. That's mission. So the whole DNA of the church is it's a missional body. Okay? That's who we are. We aren't people who gather together and then a few keenies go on mission. Okay. <laughs> and we pray for them occasionally, if we remember. No, it's not that. <laughs> it's rather that the whole church is God's missionary people. That's who you are. Okay, because that's what Jesus said at the first church meeting and what he prayed for them before he was crucified. Okay. So... In Romans 1, which we read at the beginning, 
Paul was writing to the church in Rome. What's the story behind that? Well, Paul had never been to Rome as a, as a Christian, and that was the greatest city of the time. He'd wanted to, but had not been able to, and now he planned to come after he'd visited Jerusalem to take a gift to the poor believers in Judea. He eventually got there by being a prisoner, but he hadn't intended that at the beginning, okay? That's just how it worked out. But he, wrote, he wanted to see the churches in Rome as a base for him to go to the western Mediterranean, Spain, which had not yet been reached by the gospel. Okay, so he wanted to go to Rome, and he said, and I want you to send me, and the word send there is not the normal word for send, it's a bigger word, which means give me all the resources I need to go to Spain. Send some people with me, send some money with me, I want you to send me to Spain. And so he was going to write to them, and there were many believers in Rome, they met in different large homes across the city, and a lady called Phoebe, who had been helping Paul a lot in Cenchrea next to Corinth, was traveling to Rome, so Paul sat down to dictate a letter for her to take. And as he sat down, I can imagine it, he wondered, how should I start this letter to Rome? I mean, Rome, the place where Caesar, who was the absolute dictator of the then known world and Paul began to think of Caesar and he said well Caesar's called the king of the world that was one of his titles another of his titles is the son of God another of his titles was the savior of the world his birthday was described as the good news or gospel. Get it? So Paul thought, I hope Phoebe is going to be pretty tough when she goes through the immigration because I'm going to send her with a totally seditious letter which undermines the whole Roman Empire. <laughs> okay, which we don't often think about when we read the book of Romans. We think of it packed with theology, which it is, but it was actually a letter written to say, Caesar doesn't really count much. <laughs> We've got a better message. And he starts with a reference which would have upset the whole cultural order in Rome. And he says, Paul, a slave. <laughs> okay? Of Jesus Christ. That wouldn't have enhanced his status to the eye of people in to the ear of people in Rome as they heard that letter being read out and so paul is contrasting and comparing the gospel the good news to caesar and all other earthly powers and then this is what he says he says God has sent his son, who in her human terms was the son of David. Why does he say that? Well, that means his pedigree and his right to rule was much bigger than that of Caesar's. <laughs> okay? Then he said, 
And he was shown to be son of God. Remember, son of God was a title for Caesar. He's shown to be son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And no Caesar will do that. You understand? Because the message we have undermines, although we obey earthly authority when it doesn't offend God, nevertheless, it undermines the prince of this world and therefore authorities that follow the prince of this world. And then he sets out his personal mission statement. You know, we're supposed to have mission statements nowadays. Well, he says this, We've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. What does that mean? Well, it's for his name's sake, to bring glory to God everywhere. We've received grace. You received grace? Which is an understanding of the origin of our calling, totally undeserved, totally unmerited, totally not earned. We don't get written qualifications to preach the gospel. Through grace, we've received grace and apostleship that's sent with authority on our mission to bring all the nations a worldwide call to the obedience of faith. Not the obedience of law, not the obedience of tradition, but the obedience of faith in God. And I think that's a pretty good mission statement, don't you? For his name's sake, we've received grace and apostleship to bring every nation to the obedience of faith. So it was Paul's mission statement, so, but I sort of stole it for mine as well. Okay, I think it's appropriate for our family of churches as well. Don't you? And for Paul, this included his passion to reach those totally unreached by the gospel. Because there are people groups still unreached by the gospel. It has always been my ambition, he says later, to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so I would not be building on someone else's foundation. So... That's the good news. The good news is essentially that Christ is king. We often start with the good news is so that I can go to heaven when I die. That's wonderfully true, but it's only a tiny part of the good news. The good news is Christ is risen. Christ is king. Christ is going to be known throughout the earth. That's the good news. That's how Paul describes it. He starts off by saying it's the good news about Jesus, who is the Son of God, who the prophet spoke about. That's why I started the way all the things the prophets have spoken about. That's the good, and he is king. That's the good news. In other words, every empire will one day fail. That's what Daniel prophesied about. Every empire one day fail, but Christ is king. Amen? And because he is king, Paul later says in chapter 1 of Romans, and I'm not ashamed of this gospel, because it's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. Okay? 
So the gospel, the good news is not just that you will go to heaven when you die. The good news is Christ is king. I'm not ashamed of that because when you believe it, that Christ is king and died for you on the cross, we're not ashamed of it because it's God's power for salvation to every nation. So it's true about him and it's true that we can enter into it. That's the order that we should preach it. Okay. So, and that's the apostolic mission. Also, and Paul was very conscious about this, I'm almost there. <laughs> Not, it unites the world. Not only does every ethnic group get blessed, but all become part of the one people of God. Amen? Paul describes that when he wrote to the church in Ephesus as the mystery that's now been revealed. You know, when we write mystery, when we hear the word mystery, we think, oh dear, what's this? Something pretty spooky, you know, it's a mystery. No, no, Paul's not using it in that way. He's saying what was hidden before is now revealed. What's revealed? That every nation is now united in Christ. Well, there is one new humanity, he says. Old translations, one new man in Christ, but one new humanity is better. It's, it's the, whole, we're, we're the new order of humanity or mankind. One new people, one new tribe. One renewed Israel. So not only is every ethnicity reached, but they are united together. At our recent global conference that uh, Scylla and I were at and others who uh, from the New Frontiers family, from the front, we heard over 20 languages. And that's a small representation. Okay, And Paul says that demonstrates the wisdom of God because only God's wisdom in the gospel can unite the nations. Nothing else has worked. And it brings heaven to earth because heaven is every people group, every language praising God, isn't it? If we sing heaven touching earth, that's not often what's meant when we sing that, but that's what it should be. Heaven touching earth is that in the church, all barriers between nations are broken down. I love multicultural churches. I really do, because they're demonstrating heaven touching earth. Even before you start worshipping, when you come together for many nations, you're already demonstrating heaven is now touching earth. Because we meet together, the different nations of the world, and we bring reconciliation between them. And at that conference, there would be people that would have been, whose nations would have been at war with each other, but they're all together united in Christ. You understand? And that's the wisdom of God. And yet, it says, they're still the different nations and, the, and different cultures and different languages. They don't all start speaking one language again in heaven. 
says every language. Because every language is needed to describe the glory of God. Because, do you know, every language can say things that other languages can't quite say. That's wonderful. You know, that's why translations, we have to say, well, even when, even when the Bible's being translated into English, you know, why do we have different translations? Well, it, it could, it's just about that. All the clear truths are there, very, very clear. But just the way it's expressed, it's hard to do it in English because, you know, English has a f- quite a few weaknesses, actually. Like the word you can be singular or plural, Whereas in many languages I know, it's not like that. And therefore, we often read you in the Bible and assume it means me. But it doesn't. It means us. Because <laughs> it's you plural. Okay, sorry, that was just an aside, just to have a go at the English people. Okay, because I can do that because I'm one of them. Okay, so in that, in this apostolic mission, what is the local church's responsibility? Well, firstly, so I'm closing with this. This is my last point, honestly, Dave. What is the local church's responsibility? Well, to fulfill each part of Acts 1.8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You fulfill the apostolic mission in that. So, that means every local church reaches its Jerusalem, which for you is Kettering, it's Judea, which for you is Northamptonshire. It's Samaria, which for you is... No. The Samaritans were those who lived amongst the Jews, close to the Jews, but were different cultures. So it means you reach every culture where you are. Okay, that's what Samaria means. And the ends of the earth, what's that? Ends of the earth, yeah. (laughs) It means that you are constantly praying for, sending people, your leaders are serving them. You get involved where you can in reaching the nations of the world. Amen? That's being what a church that is engaged in apostolic mission is. And each of those have equal priority. It's not that... uh, You know, we go so much for the nations that we forget to reach Kettering. Okay? Because it's Jerusalem, Judea. We pray for new churches in in Northamptonshire. We, and Samaria, we make sure that we reach all the cultures where we are. And we pray for the ends of the earth and we send people there. Okay? Are you a church involved in apostolic mission? I think you are, yeah. But you just keep testing yourselves by those four things. And then... And it means involved in the mission of our corporate calling as a family of churches together, which I know you are as well. And thirdly, it means you demonstrate unity between ethnic and social groups in your community. And that's an ongoing task... Our churches should reflect the community where we live, both ethnically and socially. Okay? And that's what it means to be on apostolic mission as a local church. Okay? 
Is that all right? Are you, are you with me? Do you see? It's what the Bible is all about. The Bible is all about mission. It was promised in the Old Testament. And the good news is Jesus is now come. He fulfills all those promises. And Jesus is king. That's the good news. Because he's the only one can be trusted with kingship. Because he doesn't distort it. He doesn't dominate. He, he, he says he leads his flock like a shepherd. And he gently takes the lambs in his arms. That's the sort of ruler that Jesus is. Totally unlike any earthly ruler. But he's king. And because he's king, we're not ashamed of the gospel. And because we're in him, we inherit the promise of Abraham to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's apostolic mission. Please join us in it. Amen? It's not about you in the end. It's about your involvement in God's great plan. Amen? So, God bless you, and let's pray. Well, I don't mind. You can pray if you like. Okay. I don't mind who prays. Okay. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we're caught up in your mission to transform the world. Engage each individual in that. Engage this local church even more in that. Lord, we pray that we may see the glory of God and heaven touching earth. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen. amen.